Hi everyone, it's Andrew from Balls and Whistles here. The news that Inverness, Caledonia and Thistle are looking for a new manager as John Robertson has moved into a newly created sporting director role was announced long after we finished recording and actually just as we finished editing this episode. So rather than going back in, re-recording just to basically read out the press releases, we're going to wait and try and get a little bit more detail about what this actually means for Cali Thistle and discuss it on next week's episode. Just wanted to put in this little bit at the start just so everybody knows we didn't totally miss it and didn't ignore it. It's a big story. We'll just be dealing with it a little bit later on. Anyway, here's this week's episode of Balls and Whistles. Hello and welcome to an all-new episode of Balls and Whistles, a Highland News and Media Sports podcast hosted by yours truly, Andrew Henderson, along with sports editor Will Clark. Will, it's been a busy few days. How are you doing? One more game to go for Ross County to save themselves from uh, dropping below. What a result for Ross County on Wednesday night. Eh? Is that the tie-in, dropping below? That That's why you did that? Yeah, they've got to watch out. What, what lurks beneath? You know, they've got one more game to save themselves. One point required on Sunday to save Premiership football in the Highlands next season. Fantastic result on Wednesday night, eh? Yeah, it was phenomenal for them right when they needed a result. I'll whisper this quietly. They might not even need the point, depending on what Kelly do against Hamilton. I think they'll need the point because Hamilton are goners now, as far as I'm concerned. Well, Hamilton, they know how to escape relegation. Will they find the nine goals when required to stay up? I wouldn't put it past them. Really? You wouldn't put it past them? I wouldn't put it past They know how to survive. If there's one team that knows how... It needs to get an angle win to stay up. Hamilton aren't the team that could probably pull it off. So is that an official balls and whistles prediction that you think Hamilton are going to finish 11th? No. <laughs> Imagine they got an eight-goal win. How good would that be? <laughs> they did that a few years ago, didn't they? They won 10-2. This isn't even Ross County. We should be talking about Ross County. It was a fantastic result for them on Wednesday night. It was quite a scrappy game, to be honest. Chances weren't you know, hugely common throughout the game, but County got a couple and they took them and that's what mattered. They will not care that it wasn't the best spectacles. They got the three points. They cannot finish bottom of the table. Still a chance they'll finish in the playoff, but like we said, they only need a result. They don't even need to go and win at Fir Park. They're just going to be buzzing in Dingwall right now. Well, I said right when this podcast started, if, if County finished 11th, they'd be delighted with that. And now they've got a chance of staying out of the relegation zone completely if they get a point at Fir Park on Sunday. The great thing is it's in their own hands and they're winning games against teams that they need points from. If you look at the split, it's seven points out of 12 uh, out of the four games they played in the split. That's a decent return as far as I'm concerned. Um, yes, they lost against Sinterin, but they went to Dundee United and won against one of their main relegation rivals. They drew against Kilmarnock, and now they've beaten Hamilton Academical and consigned them to the championship. And I'm a great believer in the league table doesn't lie. 
I think Hamilton were the worst team this season in the Premiership. However, they did play some very good football during the split and were unlucky to be on the negative side of the scoreline. But County, they're pulling out the results when required and they just need one more point. As much as I've said, if they finish the 11th, they'd be doing well. I reckon they'll get the point. I think momentum's with them. Like you say, it's just at the exact right time for them. This is the first time now they've won two league games in a row since the first two games of the season. If you're going to hit a form, do it right now. Do it at the business end of the season when there's everything still to play for. They were cut adrift in December and January, and they've done relatively well to get into a position where it was back in their own hands. You can maybe argue once it was in their own hands, they could have done better and it could have been out of sight already. But like you kind of alluded to, if they finish 10th, based on where they were, it's going to be a fantastic second half of the season for them because the way things were going, it really did not look promising. It's not job done yet. If Kilmarnock go and beat Hamilton and County lose because of the goal difference, and it's quite a significant uh, advantage that Kilmarnock have in goal difference, County are in the playoff. It's as simple as that. And you say the table doesn't lie. It would almost be quite apt in a way if the Premiership's leakiest defence is what cost County <laughs> 10th place. Because they do. They have the worst defence in the league. It's something we talked about a lot last year, maybe slightly less so this season, actually. Yeah, it's two completely different teams um, this season at Ross County. We've got to remember between September when they beat St Johnston and December they beat Hibs. They didn't win a single game in the league. It just shows how John Hughes has done so well to turn the team around. And it just brought this grittiness back to them. Because first half of the campaign, Ross County didn't just lose. They lost uh, handsomely at times. Uh, they played Mullerwell this weekend at Fir Park. When I was at Mullerwell earlier this season, they got beat 4-1. I don't think they'll get beat 4-1 this weekend. I think John Hughes will be asking for the same sort of type of performance as against Hamilton. Nothing pretty, nothing silky. Just get the goals and get the job done and just hammer it out. Um, Blair Spittle, got to say, came up trumps again during Wednesday night. I only saw the highlights in your match report. You saw the whole game. But to me, he looked like uh, the top player on the pitch. Yeah, I, I don't think I would argue with that. Um, what I think has really come into Spittle's favour over the last few weeks is his fitness levels have gotten back up to right to where he would want them to be. When he first came back in January, it's not just that he'd been out on loan and hadn't played with the season being put on pause in the lower leagues. He'd also picked up an injury towards the end of his time at Park Thistle. So it took him a little bit of time to get back up to speed. You could see that the quality was there, but he just wasn't quite at it. Um, and even a couple of weeks ago, Dundee United, I said he had an outstanding first half, but he was clearly tiring in the second and was a bit less effective as the game went on. On Wednesday night, he was on it pretty much the entire match. You know, I don't think you can have any complaints about that. And that was needed when it came to the end, once they were 2-1 up and Hamilton were really pushing to give them credit. You know, They upped the tempo, they raised their intensity levels. County had to be chasing all over the park to stop them getting an equaliser. So Spittle was able to do that the same way as everybody else was. And I think he's shown, as you alluded to last week, well, he could be a big player for us, County, going forward. Yeah, I, it just um, left me in bewilderment why he was on loan at Park Thistle during the start of the season. 
What didn't Stuart Kettlewell see in Blair Spittle that John Hughes has? Because to me, going back to last season, I, I remember him playing against Celtic at Parkhead and the link-up he had um, with the forwards, especially John Cowie, he caused real problems. And at the start of this season, I didn't really see any other midfielders that were as good as him, yet he was um, posted off to Fur Hill. So I think we've spoken previously about uh, Jordan White looking for redemption after uh, his spell at Mullerwell. Same can be said for Blair Spittle. You know, he was dismissed by Ross County and he's come back in the last few weeks, for me anyway, he's become one of their most important, if not the most important player. Um, I think he's done a fantastic job. And if Ross County stay up, which I think they will, I think they'll get the point. I think they owe Blair a huge debt of gratitude. Yeah, I spoke to him, I think, after his first game back in Dingwall and he was making the same sort of noises as as you would think. Uh, he was talking about being a fresh start. It obviously didn't work out for him under Stuart Kettlewell, but he had a point to prove not just to Ross County, but I think to everyone outside the club as well. He got relegated in 2016 with Dundee United and was in danger of doing the same sort of thing last season with Ross County. And again, this season with Ross County, there were probably question marks over whether he was a premiership player. But I think he's really risen to that challenge and is starting to prove a lot of people wrong. He's always had quality on the ball. You know, he's a set-piece specialist, and we've seen County benefit from that over the last few weeks from corners and with his crossing. It's just whether his all-round game was there, and I think he's really starting to show that it is, and he can play a big role in a premiership team. Another thing, Will, that you mentioned earlier was that John Hughes would want the same sort of performance against Motherwell this weekend as he got against Hamilton midweek. He's not the only one to say that sort of thing. I managed to get hold of Ian Vigers after the match on Wednesday night, and he was basically saying the same sort of thing. The job's not done yet. We need at least a point, and the boys will be doing what they did tonight, be giving everything. How do you approach this game? Same way you approach any other game, don't win it. <laughs> just, you have to. You can't. You can't be. Um, you can't be going into a game trying to play for a draw because that's when you get um, you get stung. You know. So uh, no, uh, I don't think it'll be any different um, to any other game that we've played this season. And that's just to go out and get a performance, get three points. You always uh, look to avoid a long relegation. We've done that. We've done. We've ticked that off the list. Now we just need to go again and get something from Sunday. It's not the best quality of audio I've ever put on this podcast because there was a good bit of wind about the conditions weren't the best. But hopefully you got the gist of that there. That same again, they're going to be going out for the win against Motherwell, even though they don't necessarily need the win. That's probably the right way to approach this, isn't it? If if they play for the draw and end up losing. It could all go totally against them. If they go for the win and come up a little bit short and get the draw, they're still fine. Yeah, if you try and hold back for the whole 90 minutes, you're going to be asking for trouble. I'm just looking at the table uh, between 7th and 9th. Mullerwell are 7th on 45 points. St Mirren 44, Dungeon United 43. You probably get more money for however high you finish up in the Premiership table. And I'm just wondering how much is that going to be an incentive for Mullerwell going into Sunday's game? Do they want to finish in seventh place? Or, you know, even for relegation is not a problem because St. Mirren and Dungeon United are going to be playing each other. So if there's a winner in that, they could finish in seventh. At the same time, it's going to be a last day of school. What's Mullerwell's motivation going to be? What kind of team are Ross County going to face? 
So Ian Vickers is right. They can't take any chances. They can't hold back and allow Mullerwell to come forward. You've got to go for the win. If you get a, a one-goal advantage and it's late in the game, by all means, hold back and play defensively. But uh, you've got to try and take the lead. Because in the past, we have seen Ross County, when they concede one, they do tend to concede maybe a second or a third. Uh, we saw that against St Mirren a few weeks ago. So take the advantage, get the goal, and then you can start thinking about playing defensively. And even if it is just looking for a point with 20 minutes to go when you're 1-0 up and you don't want to attack anymore, that's that's fine. But take the front foot to start with anyway. I find it quite funny way. It's a quirk of the, the Premiership and how things work that ninth could end up with more points than sixth looking at the league table. But on the, the desire points, yes, there's extra money for every place you finish in the, the league table. Teams always want to finish as high as they can. Players always want to win when they step out onto the pitch. But at this time of the season, when so many results often come down to just who wants it more, I have to believe that desire to avoid relegation is going to be far greater than the desire to finish seventh and not eighth. I have to believe that will work in County's favour. I hope so. Uh, and I agree agree with that as well. Uh, don't get me wrong, Mullerwell players might be eyeing up something nice to buy in the summer. I don't know. <laughs> An extra win bonus and a position bonus. But, you know, I think there's no questioning the desire for Ross County to stay up. And I think they'll play a lot better than the last time they, they were at Fur Park. I'm just confident they'll get the point required because I do think they'll need the point because I think Kilmarnock will beat Hamilton. I think Hamilton... Um, now that they're basically down, it's going to be the last day of school. You wonder what kind of team they'll actually put out as well. I know uh, John Hughes is looking for a favour from Brian Rice since they're such good buddies, but um, they're going to have to take care of the job themselves. And they will get the point, in my opinion. What's your prediction? Don't you sit in the fence? Oh, I was just going to totally gloss over that and not even say it. I think they're going to do it as well. I, I think they're going to stay up for sure. I think they can get a point. I, I wouldn't put it past them getting a win. I think a point definitely is achievable. Whether they even need that, I, I kind of agree with you. I think Kilmarnock will beat Hamilton, but you never know. Hamilton, like we said, are a good football inside. They will pose a threat to what hasn't been an entirely convincing Kilmarnock defence. It's just about whether Kyle Lafferty can keep scoring more goals than the opposition for Kelly at the minute. So I think County are going to be fine. Exactly how they do that, I'm not as sure. I'm going to be the one down at Fir Park on Sunday to see what, and this sounds weird to say, what's hopefully Ross County's last game of the season. A bit weird to say that you hope this is it, but we don't want them to be in a playoff. So, Yeah, because I've got to say, when you were um, reporting at uh, Dingwall on Wednesday night, I was watching the Dundee Rafe Rovers game. And as much as I've slagged off Dundee, goodness me, they were impressive. Uh, at Kirkcaldy. Charlie Adam was sensational. He rolled back the years. His, his dead balls and crosses were just spectacular. I've been really critical of Dundee in the past, but believe me, if they're on that kind of form, nobody wants them in a playoff. Well, we're talking about Dundee potentially coming through the playoffs. Obviously, a team that missed out on the playoffs were Inverness, Caledonia and Thistle. We talked a fair bit, I think, last week and maybe even the week before about the contractual situation at the club there's a lot of guys that could potentially be leaving this summer we're still waiting on news of who exactly is going to be going who exactly is going to be staying but we do know that one man who's leaving and wasn't even out of contract is Daniel Mackay 
His transfer to Hibernian was officially confirmed yesterday. We've been expecting this for a little while. Again, we touched on it last week after the club's agreed a fee, but it's over the line. It's done and dusted. Daniel Mackay is a Hibs player. He'll be wearing number 17 and will be playing European football next season. It's no surprise that he's moved on to Pastors New and uh, to the top flight. It's a move that he deserved. Second half of the campaign, he was sensational for Cully Fissel. One of the top players. You argued the top player. <laughs> Imagine how upset I am that he's now no longer there. <laughs> I, If he was named the, the top senior player for Cully Fissel uh, this season, I don't think anyone would have begrudged that. I wouldn't have begrudged that, even though he wasn't in my top three. He was in my top four. But it's certainly impressive, and he's going to be given the chance to show the Premiership what kind of player he is, and we're looking forward to it. And I believe that he spoke to you personally this week and uh, said that he's looking forward to the challenge as well. Yeah, after the news got officially announced that he was a Hibs player done and dusted, I actually managed to get him on the phone. So... Rather than just play a clip like we have done in the past of my interview with him, we're going to go ahead and play the full thing. So sit back for this one. I talked to Daniel about moving to Hibs, some of his highlights of his time at Cali Thistle and one or two other things as well. I think this is really interesting. Let's hear it. It's taken a little while, but it's over the line. You must be absolutely buzzing. Yeah, um, it's um, a reward for my end of the season form, I think, and also the effort of the team towards the end of the year as well and thankfully I've got myself a good move to Hibs and I'm just really looking forward to get going I I know I don't know how you know far anything got but as far as I know there's a couple of teams looking at you keeping an eye on you what was it about Hibs that stood out? Just speaking to the manager really and just seeing the football they've played all year has been magnificent you can see that them securing third place last night it just shows the ambition of the club and then obviously going down to see the facilities is was another intake for me with you've got everything there for you you've got your gym you've got a hydro pool you've got everything there for you so I can only bet myself at a club like Hibs and like I say they confirmed third spot last night it's going to be European football there they could be Scottish Cup winners you must feel like you're you're ready for the step up yeah definitely it's good that the club are doing well as I'm coming in so hopefully next year's just as rewarding for us as a team and uh, hopefully I can be a big part of it as well because that's the ultimate aim at the end of the day is to make make a good name for myself down here at Hibs. You look at the Hibs team and there's a couple of guys who've come through their youth system, still even quite young now. You've got Josh Doig and Ryan Porteous. Did that play a factor in you joining Hibs? Yeah, definitely. You can see I think a few boys in the youth team have made their debut this year as well. It shows the way their club is going, buying younger players or developing younger players to become better and maybe end up making profit off them or just having them around their team. You've still got the likes of Paul Hamill and Lewis Stevenson who are long servants of the club that have come through the youth, so definitely shows there's always a pathway it helps as a young boy to make it into their first team. And it's almost like it's a project you're joining, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. They're looking to win more cups, um, be in European football and just show they're the bigger, the bigger team in the city. You mentioned that it's a reward for your end-of-season form with Cali Thistle. What was it that clicked for you the last few months of the season, do you think? Just uh, Neil McCann saying to me, you can't run back, basically, <laughs> with the ball. That's what he said to me. I think it was after the Alloa game. I kept turning back and he just said, and I went past, a, went past the boys twice and he was like, just do that every time. 
he said, why do you keep turning back? And then after the, then we played Rafe on the Friday night, and then that was it. Seven seemed to go from there, and frankly, goals came that came the way as well. That's something you've really been looking to add to your game, hasn't it? That extra bit in front of goal. Yeah, definitely. Because I've said numerous times before, I need to start adding goals. I need to start adding goals, and it just takes one or two to go in for the confidence to kick on. So frankly, that happened. And you could see that last couple of games of the season, I think especially after the, the derby as well, that goal against County, you were just on cloud nine. Yeah, definitely. It definitely helped um, score the goal against County and kick on for the rest of the season. In fact, it just gave me a bit more calm in front of goal. As you could probably see, I started not snatching at things and it just became easy. That's what happens when you're on confidence and obviously playing against, scoring against County can have done any more for my confidence. So no, it was good to end the year on a a good run of goal scoring form and showing what I used to do in the youth level and score goals week in, week out. I was talking to Charlie Christie actually about not just you but all the young guys in, in the Cali Thistle team this season and he said he had a few words with you throughout the season and again I think there's that one particularly just like that's the Daniel McKay he knew. Yeah that's what he said to me I think it was after the one of the Rafe games I think it was he said to me so that's what you're about he said I've not seen this in about a year and a half and that and I said I know I said it's good to feel like I'm playing my best football again. Just the unfortunate thing, there was no fans at the ground to see the best of me, and I'm away. But hopefully, on the streams and that, they've seen the player that I could have, that I should have been over the two, three years that I was there. Is it a bit bittersweet in a way to be leaving without having that last hurrah in front of the fans? Yeah, definitely. It was a it was a hard choice to leave because I've been at the club since I was eight years old. But I knew myself with the way I was playing. I need to. Need to get a move now while strike while I'm on top. So that was the main reason. And then speaking to Hibbs obviously attracted me. But it is disappointing that I've never got a, have a good season in front of the fans. But hopefully I'll see them in a game when they're back in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you look back at your time over at Cali Thistle? Because there's a lot of hype. I think when you first broke into the first team, and then injuries went against you before everything finally came together. How how do you judge the last few years? I started brilliantly. In the middle, it went horribly wrong. At the end, it went well, eventually. Just injuries stalled my my performance, my playing well and stuff for a wee while, and then confidence as well. We've obviously, it's a huge thing in football, and especially as a kind of player I am, confidence is huge. So thankfully now it's thankfully now it's all going well and how it was meant to go. So I'm glad it happened, but it happened in its own wee roundabout of ways. I think I've spoken to you before about the, the mental tests that you've had over the years. Do you think that'll actually stand you in quite good stead now going at the Premiership, having a lot behind you? Yeah, definitely. I've played, I think it's 80-plus games now. I've gone through injuries. I've gone through being out of the team. I've gone through sitting on the bench. I've done it all. I've been through a lot for someone that's only 20 years old. So I can definitely see it all hold me in good stead for the years coming. So when you look back at your time at Cali Thistle, what are some of the highlights that come to mind? I think there's an obvious one. Um, obviously, scoring against County was a dream come true, as long as other ones that I've had, making my debut. Obviously, winning the Challenge Cup at the time, when I was 16, that was brilliant as well. But probably scoring my debut, because that was always something I dreamed of, and the County were two top memories in Burness. Yeah, because you leave not just as somebody who's had a big impact on the club this season, but as a record breaker, the youngest ever appearance maker, the youngest ever goal scorer. I mean, that, you must be so proud of that. Yeah, definitely. It was something 
didn't expect to happen and when it happened it took a while to sink in but now looking back and having time it's a good reward and it's good to see that I've made a difference in the club in some way and broken a few records you mentioned Neil McCann earlier on I brought up Charlie Christie I should probably also mention John Robertson just how influential has he been for you yeah definitely he's very hard on me always has been and uh, it's just the way he seemed to try and get the best out of me was being hard on me but he's been magnificent for me and he's uh, first time I've spoken to him really because of like in the past few weeks is the first time I've spoken to him but it's good to hear from him that he's doing better and um, it was good a good impact to my career and finishing wise is like you've seen the last few months that's down to him over the years just teaching me to be composed and don't smash things just place it so I can only thank John Robertson and everyone at the club Scott Kelliker Barry Wilson, Ryan Essen, and for everything they've done for me over the years, and Charlie as well. It was great for Daniel to take the time out. I'm, I'm sure he would have been quite busy with the announcement having just been made, but really appreciate him taking the time to talk to me. And I think we said this last week, but it's worth saying again, best of luck to him away at Hibs, because we've seen him develop over the last week while, and, and he really does have bags of potential. And he deserves a move. Um, as much as we would have liked to have, have to have stayed at Carly Fissel next season, it would have been a crime for a, a player of that quality to remain in the championship. Moving to Hibs, it's it just seems the right sort of move. You look at how they play young players. He mentioned himself, the likes of Josh Doig and Ryan Porteous, how they've developed as players and are earning rave reviews. He's hopefully gonna follow down the same path and just earned recognition for being one of the brightest talents in, in, in the country. He earned that in, the, in Inverness and he's earned that in the championship, but he deserves to get the chance to earn that in the top flight. And I don't think anyone will doubt that he will shine at that level. And just a great inspiration for all the youngsters at Inverness as well. Not just Inverness, I would go as far as to say, you know, Ross County as well. Even young players playing at Highland League clubs too. It just shows you someone from this area can go all the way and reach the top. He's not the only example, but we hear lots of stories of players who don't make it at youth level, but there are players that do. So let's celebrate that. Yeah, I mentioned to Daniel in my chat with him that I'd been talking to Charlie Christie. We've got some really interesting stuff, I think, to come over the next few weeks with Charlie. Obviously, he's Callie Thistle's head of youth development, talking about exactly that and bringing young guys through so keep an eye out for that and probably even play some of it on balls and whistles if not put it out as a standalone episode just that entire chat i had with charlie for the time being though will i think we should move on to a bit of disappointment unfortunately it's been quite a positive podcast so far but you were down at kelty hearts last weekend as brewer rangers league two dream came to an end for another season yeah, unfortunately, uh, Kelty Hearts deserved winners over the two legs. Um, I've got to say, for Brona Rangers, first quarter of the game in the second leg, uh, they were the better team and deservedly took the lead. But unfortunately, two minutes later, really cheap equaliser they conceded. It was just a ball over the top and Nathan Austin uh, connected. Brora, after that, they had one or two chances. Bjorn Wagner had a great free kick and there was a scramble in the box, which they'll be disappointed they didn't put away. But the second half, Stephen Mackay was really crestfallen. I was going to say angry, but I don't... Angry is maybe the wrong word. Maybe more crestfallen and downbeat about uh, 
in his words, how his players seem to lay down tools and just accept defeat. Um, he said he learned a lot in a bad way that Brewer Rangers weren't good enough to become an SPFL team. He didn't hold back. Uh, I, I don't know if that was just an immediate reaction to after the game, but he says if Brewer seriously want to become a, a, a League Two team in the future, changes are going to have to be made. Uh, and he says he knows where the changes needed to be made. But yeah, I even myself, I thought it would be a very close semi-final. I thought Brora and Kelty were two evenly matched side. But when you look at that uh, Kelty side, you've got Nathan Austin, you've got Callum Higginbottom, you've got Thomas Riley, all really good players with lots of higher level experience. And it showed on the pitch, unfortunately. Uh, I think they'll go and batter Brecon City in the final now and they will become an SPFL team. But uh, Brora, the, the one thing Stephen Mackay spoke about was he didn't just highlight the the two-legged semi-final of Kelty. He also went back to the, the Scottish Cup third round tie against Stranraer where they didn't play well, um, saying that was a game people thought they should have won. Uh, even though they shouldn't be forgotten, they've knocked out Hearts at the Scottish Cup. That was a superb result. But um, he was highlighting the game against Stranraer as well, maybe a League Two's team where they weren't good enough to put away. And it could even be argued, we go all the way back to October when they were in the Highland League Cup semi-final. They lost in penalties to Bucky Thistle as well. That was that was a, a knockout competition where they, they didn't come out on top. So... The way Stephen Mackay himself was speaking last weekend, it's been a bit of an eye-opener that his team aren't, in his view, an SPFL team, and he's got to go away and figure out how to make the changes required for them to be good enough for promotion. So there's going to be a lot of changes at Dungeon Park uh, during the summer, I reckon. It's an interesting one, because when a team is as dominant in their domestic league as Borough Rangers have been over the last year or two, it's always a bit of a question mark as to how they react to going behind. And I do wonder if they'd managed to take an early lead against Kelty, if it might have been a totally different story because Kelty are in the same boat. For a team that's used to winning to suddenly be losing and be losing by a couple of goals, that'll be a hammer blow to the psyche. So clearly that's something that Brora could have dealt with slightly better, but it might have been the exact same if they'd taken a couple of goals early on against Kelty and Kelty had suffered from it as well. It might just be on the day it didn't go for them. You never know, but they're going to have to come back stronger next year. They're still in the Highland League. You'd have to say they're starting that as favourites. You would, but at the same time, because Brewer Rangers only managed to play three games in the Highland League this season, one of their games, they put 10 past Fort William. They put five past Wick Academy. Um, they had a 100% record in the league, but they only played three games. But did that maybe hide the fact that improvements were required at Brewer Rangers? Because I, I'm going back again to the, the Highland League Cup semi-final. Bucky Fissel went to Brewer and beat them on penalties. The Challenge Cup as well, they weren't expected to beat Dundee or Hebs in they got draws against, uh, I think it was Warfart and Cove Rangers, but they didn't win those games either against teams you maybe think they would ha- would have had a chance of beating. So we speak about the shortened season in the Highland League. Maybe they just weren't prepared for this season ahead. And maybe other teams 
might have be a greater challenge than what Brewer were expecting. Now, if the league did go ahead, we speak about Fraserburgh, they were title contenders. Bucky Fissel, title contenders. Inveruri Locos, title contenders. We didn't really know how close they were to mounting a challenge to Brewer Rangers this season. So next season, it's going to. I wouldn't say they would be runaway favourites now to win the Highland League. Maybe favourites, but I don't think the chasing pack's that far away. So we could have, could have the most open Highland League title race in years then? Maybe not the most open, but maybe one or two teams will amount a serious challenge. Fraserbrow's one, Bucky Fissel have got it in them as well. Brora, they, I don't think they'll run away with it like they did in 2019-2020 season that uh, got suspended. Now, I, I think Brora will be making changes and Fraser probably may be making changes. Bucky well, Fort Martin, they're not short of a few bucks either. They might bring in some players as well. It'll be a difficult one to call. We'll be very interested to see what goes on over the summer as there's wheeling and dealing going on across the Highland League in the build-up to next season. I want to mention as well that it was obviously a disappointing result in the playoffs for Brora. It was also a couple of disappointing results in the playoffs for Elgin City. We're going to try and get somebody on the next couple of weeks, I think, to to properly dissect Elgin's season. But it's an 88th minute goal that saw them lose to Edinburgh City in the second leg. They were heading for extra time at that point. There's so much optimism around Borough Briggs that it would be third time lucky in the playoffs to finally get out of League Two for the first time since they went into it. And it just didn't quite happen for them. I know in the Northern Scots, Today, Matthew Cooper on the back page has said he's sick of glorious failure, uh, which is quite strong, <laughs> to say the least. And manager Gavin Price has said that he's proud of the guys, but he is looking to bring in one or two players, I think, over the next couple of weeks to make them even stronger for next season as well. Yeah, I, I agree with the man. There's no such thing as glorious failure. There's success or there's failure. Uh, there'll be no consolation that uh, they were two minutes away. It must have been an absolute sickener to concede a goal in the eighth minute and then go out of the playoffs. Because uh, say it was arguably their best chance of promotion since the event of the, the Scottish Professional Football League. And now it's back to the drawing board. Here's the thing. This season, there was only ever going to be one winner of League Two because of Queen's Park turning professional and they were a cut above the rest. Stunned Ray McKinnon's not no longer the manager of Queen's Park, by the way. What was going on there? Something behind the scenes, clearly. No, yeah. but um, I think it'll definitely be a more even league next season, unless Kelty Hearts keep hold of all their higher level players and they win promotion the first time of asking. Cove Rangers did, so don't rule it out. But yeah, it, Elgin's going to be really disappointed with the outcome and uh, Garmin Price. No wonder he's going to be distraught. This was their best chance of going up, and it's it's another season in League Two. But you just, you've just got to get back to the drawing board and do what you can to make sure you come out on top uh, next season. Well, just to wrap us up on football, I went along to the Northern Scot there. Let's go up to the John O'Groat Journal because, well, I feel like you might have a little bit to say about this because Stephen Anderson is back at Wick Academy. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I've, I've known Stephen um, for quite a while um, since I worked up at the John O'Groat Journal. Stephen was a former trialist at Crystal Palace, if I remember right, uh, and he kind of went out of football. He ended up playing in the Caithness Second Division. 
for Leipster. Um, he was just a class apart everyone else and won his move to Wick Academy and uh, just became a, uh, one of their best players during what is arguably their golden generation of KFNS football. They went won the North of Scotland Cup. They were regularly top five in the Highland League. And he, he was touted as one of the top uh, players in the Highland League. And when Rothfuss um, managed to get their stuff together and uh, got a bit of financial investment, he was one of the players that went to Rothfuss. I think he relocated from Caithness as well, which was part of his decision. Um, but yeah, fantastic signing and will make a massive difference to uh, Wick Academy, who have lost one or two players, such as uh, Gary Weir and Sam Mackay and Michael Stephen, who were just um, fixtures in the Wick Academy first team. So it's great to have a player like that back. He's only 28, if I remember right. I did read the article before we came on. So he's got definitely got his best years ahead of him, hopefully. And hopefully it'll lead to a renaissance in Wick Academy. Um, it's not been great the last few years. Uh, pretty much mid-table obscurity uh, compared to what it was uh, during the mid-2010s when they looked a real force and real title challengers as well. That was before Brewer Rangers became the juggernaut that they were. But no, great signing for Wick Academy. They will only benefit from, from that. I don't think it's an exaggeration to call him a club legend, is it? Um, club legend, he, I, he might still have to earn that title. Um, okay. He was only there for a few seasons. He didn't come through like the... The thing about Wick Academy is there's so many players that started there when they were like 16, 17, 18 years old. I'm speaking the likes of Gary Manson, who um, I think he played for Wick Academy since birth. <laughs> literally a lifelong association with the club yeah um the likes of alan farker who, who was a captain as well uh richard mccarty who's the record goal scorer there davy allen as well stephen anderson he came in pretty much when he was like maybe 22 or 23 he'll have to correct me right on that and only stayed for about three or four seasons before going to office but he's, he was named player of the year at least once when he was there um so He's on his way to becoming a club legend. Um, I don't know if he's got the years in the, as of yet, but he'll s- certainly make such a difference to them. Well, he's going to add quite a few more years because it's a long-term deal, apparently, he signed. It's not going to be a, a one-season wonder back up north. He's relocated back up to Caithness, which is part of the reason he's gone back to Wick Academy. He's got a kid now, so he's, he's properly settled down. Could be there for years to come and might well write himself into the Wick Academy history books even more than he already has done. Great signing and wish him a Steve. He's a great guy as well, so I wish Stephen all the best. Well, let's move on from football a little bit then. There were a few other stories on the go as well. Uh, let's start with a different Stephen, shall we? Stephen Mackay, the Inverness Harrier, broke both his own personal best and the Harriers club record over the 1500 metres. It's the second time he's done it. The last time he broke those records was actually in his last race over that distance last year. Back-to-back personal best and back-to-back club records. It's not bad going for him, is it? No, he seems to just get faster and faster and just making more of an impression on the British uh, athletics. And uh, he'll be looking to... Well, I read your piece, and he's not content with just breaking the club record. He wants to keep going, keep setting new records. And you would not rule him out doing that in the future. 
Yeah, his record at the minute is 345.7, and he's looking to get closer to 340. So he's looking to shave another five or six seconds off, which is a big deal. It doesn't always sound like a lot of time, but when it comes to the, the fine margins of elite sport, that is a big target for him to go for. He did also say to me he's got a few races coming up over the next few weeks and months, including the Olympic trials. He's not expecting to actually hit the Olympic qualifying time, but he said he's been in the finals of the trials a couple of times before. So if he can get back there again and just keep improving and put in a better show for himself, that will also be a sign of progress. So fingers crossed he keeps going, keeps getting better and better. It literally seems to be every time he gets back out on the track, he's cutting time off. So we'll be keeping an eye out on that. And I'm sure when he breaks it again, We'll be getting back in touch and we'll be covering once again on Balls and Whistles because that's how it goes. That's how we roll. That's how we roll, absolutely. There's also an achievement for Adrian Neal, who is a cricketer who grew up in the Highlands. He came through at senior cricket for Nairn County before moving on to Northern Counties in Inverness. And for, I believe, the third time, he's been named in the Senior Scotland squad for their One Day Internationals next week against the Netherlands. Well, I realise I'm far more of a, a cricket guy than you are here. <laughs> but it, it's it's a great achievement for him. He's only played one one-day international before, and he's part of a 14-man squad, so chances are he's going to play at least one of the games next week. He's really looking to make an impact and show why he deserves to be there every single squad going forward, and hopefully to get back involved in county cricket down in England as well, if he can impress in Scotland colours. It's great to see another Highlander making their mark on the international stage. Yeah, it's an inspirational story that uh, a cricketer from this part of the world can be called up to play uh, international sport. Like I said, you're more knowledgeable about cricket than I am, but you can't take away from what anything what this guy has done. Scotland still got to be competing in the T20 World Cup or something like that. Is that still going to take place? Can you tell me? The T20 World Cup is scheduled to take place later on this year. I believe Scotland are going to be there, but Scotland haven't played a match since December 2019 in any format. So this is their big return. This is yeah. them getting back into the swing of things and starting to build momentum again for the World Cup later this year. Yeah, if I remember from previous articles, I think that was a, a target. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I don't want to get too complicated here because I realise cricket can be quite a complex sport. Three different formats. There's T20s, one-day internationals and tests. Scotland don't play tests. They only play the one-dayers in the 2020s, which are far more similar to each other. So you can sort of train to an extent for both at the same time and prepare for both at the same time. He's been in 2020 squads as well. He's played, I think, a couple more 2020s than he has one day internationals. He's definitely going to be in the mix. I'm not sure how big the squads actually are for World Cups, but I'd have to believe he's going to be in with a shout of being there and, and hopefully even playing a couple of games there as well. He says he's been working really hard on his fitness levels and, and on his bowling over the last year while there hasn't been action as much as he can during knockdown so i think he's hoping to hit a next level this summer which would stand him obviously in really good stead for a world cup spot later on in the year yeah and if there's any young cricketers in inverness or nairn or in stuff that play for ross county it's just an inspiration of, of what can be achieved you know just following these footsteps and go for it so wish him all the best again to dutch who Despite the Dutch not being a test nation, they're no mugs, are they? 
They're a very good, they're not a bad cricketing team. They've taken quite a few scalps of their own at World Cups, so they're absolutely no mugs. And, and they were in action in April. They played a handful of matches against Malaysia and Nepal. So they should be a little more match fit if they might not be at 100% strength in terms of the playing squad. It's going to be a really interesting couple of matches next week. I believe it's next Wednesday and next Friday the matches are taking place. So we'll be keeping an eye out there again to see how Scotland get on, how Adrian specifically gets on. Best luck to him. I think that's all there is left to say. Yeah, good luck to him. All the best. That actually to me showing my cricket knowledge there. <laughs> but genuinely... Yeah, fantastic, Adrian. Well done. Uh, all the best for representing Scotland. Well, I think that's everything I had on my list to talk about. Is there anything else that's caught your eye this week? Uh, congratulations to uh, Nairn Golf Club member Kareen Taylor on becoming Northern Counties uh, champion. Big golf uh, tournament here in the north. Uh, she was run very close in the final. Had to take it all the way to the final hole against Cara Thompson from Royal Dornick. But um, she successfully defended her title that she won in 2019. Wasn't able to defend it in 2024. Guess what? Um, <laughs> but uh, she's usually um, she's hoping that uh, she can use her form from the Northern Counties Championship going into the Scottish Amateur Championship uh, taking place in a few weeks' time. And uh, hopefully it'll be another trophy for her if, if she maintains the kind of form that she has been. Um, I have to say, even though she's a Nairn Golf Club member, she's actually from Forest, so oh, that's one for Murray. <laughs> um, but uh, no, great story and uh, very talented golfer as well. Yeah, good luck to her. Yeah, always great to see people from, we'll say the North rather than the Highlands, doing well in these sorts of competitions because it's it's so competitive golf up here, as you would expect being in Scotland, that Anytime somebody can go and get a trophy or even be in contention for a trophy, it's a great achievement. In all our news, I would just like to say well done for North Caledonia Football Association President Ian Whitehead for his views on the Lowland League allowing Colts teams into the division. Even though um, it's not going to affect them personally, there's always the chance that uh, teams in the North might try and get in the Highland League. He says it's wrong. He thinks that they should start right at the bottom at the West of Scotland Conference League. That would be fair. Uh, I don't know. I, I, it just really upset me when this news came out, Endo. They're saying it's for one season only. Are we buying that? Short answer is no. Neither am I. <laughs> I was just wondering if we could make it through the entire episode without any mention of cults, but we managed to get one in right at the end. I going to mention it, and I think Ian, when I spoke to him, because the North Cali League is going to become a Tier 6 uh, division uh, next season, hopefully. I don't think it's set in stone yet, but it's on its way. Um, but, you know, you never know. There's no suggestion the Highland League would allow Colts teams in. They did reject Cali Fissel a few years ago. But, you know, that's nice to stop teams in the North trying that again. It was just seeing the reaction from fans um, to the decision, apart from the clubs who actually voted for it. I think just fans felt it was wrong. And I, I'm of the same opinion. It's just leapfrogging tier six and tier seven. It's just such a slap in the face to them as far as I'm concerned. And you basically covered I don't have much more to add to that. And I don't particularly disagree with you. So I think all that's left for me to say is 
Thanks for listening. And if you want to hear more great podcasts from Highland News and Media, you can check out Health and Lift Ness, which I believe Will actually had a question on this most recent episode. Yes, I did. I, uh, I'm well on the way to becoming an international bodybuilder now. You're officially on the gains train. I am, yeah. I'm... <laughs> the bronze Adonis that you once knew will soon return. Aha. Uh-huh. And there's also active outdoors that you can go and listen to just for laughs. For laughs. Yeah, I don't know why I couldn't think of the word I was going for there, but for laughs, we'll go with that. No, it's a fantastic podcast, John. Really enjoyed it so far. It's well, well worth a listen. If you want to get in touch with us, though, we are on Twitter at balls underscore whistles, or you can email us at ballsandwhistles at hnmedia.co.uk. Fingers crossed we're going to be talking about Ross County securing 10th place next week. Best of luck to them. For the meantime, to everybody out there, thank you for listening. We'll be back next time. All the best, Ross County.